welcome back to another edition of the Locked On Wizards podcast. Ben Standig here. Mr. Adam Rubin is here. We are calling this, or at least I'm calling this, the pat ourselves, pat ourselves on the back edition of the Locked On Wizards podcast. Because Adam, it felt like a lot of things that happened in this game tonight, I don't know, maybe even in the last 48 hours to some degree, you and I have been talking about saying this needs to happen. That needs to happen. Even one thing that didn't happen essentially sort of did happen because this person justified them actually playing. The, I, you, This is a good one. We're taking the victory lap on this one. Screw screw the haters. Right, we're taking the victory <laughs> lap. Right? Come on. Well, I put, I'll put one caveat on it since I gave a uh, six-minute rant on Mahimi. I can't take credit for him playing well. I mean, that that's that's a revenge game for Mahimi. That's him showing, uh, at least for a night, that he can have a, a defensive impact. So, yes, I, I yelled at Mahimi had to show something or get to the bench, and uh, tonight he did He did show something. Well, all right. So we'll, so we'll get to all of this. If for the, let, me, let me not bury the lead. Wizards still know John Wall. They win 92-89 at Minnesota, despite trailing by, I want to say, as much as 13 points in the first half. Uh, they're down going into the fourth quarter. Bradley Beal shot two for 11. Markeith Morris shot one for six. I, I tell you all, Martin Gortat plays 20 minutes. Uh, so did Markeith. I tell you all that, and you're thinking to yourselves, well, how much did they lose by? Oh, no, that didn't happen. And why didn't that happen? Well, a couple reasons. One, big ups to the bench. The bench unit in the first half and late I kept the didn't just keep the Wizards in the game. They brought them back from an early deficit. Scott Brooks, he he changed up his lineup a bunch. In the second half, he was giving Sadar, Tomas Sadaransky uh, uh, more minutes. He kept Mike Scott in the game and Jan Mahimi in the game in the fourth quarter and Kelly Oubre uh, to go with Otto and, and, and Beal. And then Otto Porter, slow start. He wasn't, you know, he was, he had, he had numbers comparable to, to Morris and Beal early, but he got hot and he made two big shots late in the game. Because Adam, you'll never believe it. Get, hold your hold, hold your hat, Adam. They ran some plays for him, and he delivered. Crazy. Yeah, and the 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 one inbound, the first shot by uh, you know Otto to tie it. That was an inbounds play. That was that was a nice play. But really, it was the second one to Otto, which I thought was most interesting because Beal passing the ball at the top of the key. And just stood there. It, it was 100% the play was give the ball to Otto and let him do whatever the hell he wants and, and take the shot. So it wasn't no, – it's, it's normally it was the reverse of what they normally do with Beal where everyone just stands around while Beal has it. And, you know, and it worked. So I, I give Brooks credit for saying Otto's taking the shot tonight. And, of course, credit to Otto for, for, for knocking it down. So hopefully this is something where – it's a change going forward because if you have two guys and then when Wall comes back, if you have three guys who are the options on the last play, it makes you a lot harder to defend than, than just being a one-on-one team. So, so yeah. Yeah. So, so there's, okay. There's a lot to get to. we got to talk about probably Jan Mahimi's best game with the Wizards. we got to talk about, uh, I think we got to talk about the bench and Sadoransky, uh in particular, especially with, with, we've got the Sadoransky, uh guru here. And, and, you know, we'll talk more about the game as a whole. Of course, the Wizards have got uh, a game tomorrow night in Philadelphia. Wow. And, Adam, spoiler, I'm going to go to the game. So I will be – I don't know if I'm doing the podcast from Philly, but I will be at the game. 
So, uh, you know, if you're there and you see me, you know, feel free to, uh, you know, give a shout out. But, you know, don't don't touch. I'm just kidding. Well, unless you have a time machine, it's not a spoiler to say that you're going to be at the game tomorrow. <laughs> but, but, yes, go on. Oh, I could have just not told people. <laughs> let them be like, oh, my God, Ben's at the game. And they'd be like, and then they would have, you know, gone on with their lives and oh, talked you're... about it. You're anticipating a lot of excitement. Okay, yeah. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm I, I see. I see. All sarcasm. Anticipating there's a, a whole bunch of excitement when, when we see you on TV. Yeah, exactly. All kinds of sarcasm with that one. All right, so, so let's go to Otto Porter. So, you know, since Saturday night, you know, we, we all remember what happened. He's cruising the third quarter and the fourth quarter. He's the guy who offensively is really sparking this team. He goes out of the game with like uh, 10 minutes, 8 minutes or so to go doesn't take a shot the rest of the way. And part of the narrative coming out of that game is, hey, how come Otto Porter is disappearing once again? And I guess you could look at you could do it you could look at that however you want. You could say he's not being aggressive enough. He's he's disappearing. Cause I you know, I've written about this a few weeks ago where if you look at the uh shots uh on the team, Wall and Beal are taking the most, Otto's taking the third most per game or per you know per game. But in the fourth quarter Otto was getting like the seventh or eighth most shot attempts uh, behind, you know, Jody Meeks and others. So you could look at it a few ways. You could say he needs to be more aggressive or the way I would interpret it often is, hey, they need to actually give him the ball. They actually need to call a play for him. Otto Porter is the kind of guy who's not going to be a ball dominant chucker. What just, he's going to do the, he's going to do the right basketball play, but you have to put him in the right position. And so I went back and watched the game, the end of the game against Portland today, because I have no life. And I watched the last, like 245 or so, the Wizards had about five or six possessions. Otto Porter had touched the ball in at least four of them. In in uh, in almost almost every case, he would get the ball up high. And you just mentioned something interesting a second ago. You said when they ran this play, Beal sort of stood and watched. In all the other ones, Otto got the ball up high, but the action was all happening below the circle. Gortat and Beal or somebody like that. We're running off setting picks. It was it wasn't there wasn't a lot of action going on for Otto. The one time he was given a pick, I think by Marquise Morris, the double team went to Otto and he threw it back to Morris. So th- they weren't really running anything for him. But like you said here, they the Mahimi set a pick for him. They, they got in the ball. He made the shot. I'm not going to go. You know, I I don't want to you know go wild here and suggest that Otto Porter is now the league MVP or anything like that. Or you know, he's a max player. However you want to define that. I'm just saying, please don't tell me he's not aggressive enough. They have to put him in position to make the shot, just like they do for Bradley Beal, just like they do for John Wall. If you want this guy to do the things you think he's supposed to do, if that's your definition of aggressive, then help put him in the right position. They did. He made shots, worked out for the Wizards. Yeah, he has. He showed no hesitation in shooting it. And, and uh, you know, I agree that it's not – him not getting shots at the end of the game is not a lack of aggression. It's nobody other than Wall or Beal are, are getting shots. It's, it, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. So it, it's not aggression. It's just they're the only guys touching the ball and they're not they're not passing. So it, it would be great to step up because Beal has had many opportunities. Even with a minute left in this game, he missed another foul line jumper uh, before they turned the offense over to Otto. So listen, I'm all for Otto taking mid range shots at the end of games. If a mid-range, mid-range shot is a shot that they're going to take, I, I'd rather have Otto be taking it than, than anyone else on the roster. And, uh, yeah, I mean, look, he, he finished 8 of 18 overall, but 4 of 8 from 3. Uh, yeah, it was a good mid-range shot. He also had 8 rebounds. He also 
one turnover in 32 minutes. That's not bad. By the way, I thought I was going to have a different Otto Porter rant when this well, earlier in this game because he was he went out of the game around the 10 minute mark of the fourth quarter and didn't come back in till under four minutes. And I was like, what is happening here? He at that point Brooks had the entire starting front court sitting. Now Markeith and 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 Gortat never came back in. But I mean Otto prior to him going out had gotten hot. He started to make shots to help, you know, to he he finished with 22 points. So I, I for a minute there I thought I was about to uh, you know have a different type of uh, rant like I said, but fortunately Brooks uh, you know <laughs> got got him back in the game and and, and wisely wisely so. Um, by the way, Adam, I was so, I was so excited to just get going here. I don't think I even said the obvious stuff like, "Hey, you can find all of our podcasts on iTunes, including the one from the other night where Adam and I ranted and raved about lots of different wizardy things." Um, but you can also, of course, follow us on Twitter. I'm at Ben Standick. He is at Liddell's Place. And to go with the pat on my back angle of this podcast, I'm all in, Adam. I as well get really, really wet. Uh, you can go read what I wrote about this team this week in that. I wrote today that Jan, well, actually, well, whatever. I wrote today that Jan Mahimi, what the hell? Why does he keep playing all the time? And I asked Scott Brooks about it yesterday. We'll, we'll talk about that in a second. And I also wrote that the Wizards need more from Markeith Morris. And maybe Scott Brooks agrees because he didn't even play Markeith, I don't think at all, in the fourth quarter. Uh, he finished one of six. Like I said, Mike Scott played, did a lot better. In any event, uh, you were about to say something and I cut you off. Oh, I was just going to mention on the auto front in terms of not coming back in until four minutes. In fairness to Brooks, in this particular instance, Ubre and Mike Scott were both playing really well. So I think he was sort of riding that out as long as he could uh, before putting Otto back in. So it wasn't a situation where you're like, what the hell? They're blowing a lead. Get Otto in there. You know, I think it was the guys he was going to take out were playing really well. So I think that, that might have had but, but more of an impact. But, Ultimately, and this is one of the interesting things about this, right? Uh, tell me if I'm wrong here. He didn't take out either of those guys in the end. He kept them on the court. I think he took out Jody Meeks, and he had he said he played with no point guard. Yeah, for a while. Yeah, he played with no point guard. Ooh, he, had, he had Beal in there. Right. Yeah. Beal. Soon as... <laughs> Go ahead. He had Beal in there, but I think with Otto and Ubre, a lineup that we saw some. You know, I mean, obviously Wall was always around last year, but some sort of a lineup we would see more last year with Otto and Ubre in as the two and the three. I think he had Mike Scott with Mahimi in there. So he went, I mean, Frazier only played 15 and a half minutes. Sadoransky ended up playing more minutes today. And, um, but so Brooks went essentially with Beal acting as the point guard. And to your point earlier about who was playing well, I think he, I think you're right. I think Brooks saw who was playing better. I mean, Jody Meeks had a good game. He made a bunch of threes early, uh, had four total, but, at that point in the game, I think he wanted some some size, and he went with Scott, Otto, and, and, and Ubre together. Hey, I'll get right back to the podcast, but just a quick word from our sponsor today, my bookie. All right, look, here's the deal. Holiday, holiday time is here. You're going to need that extra scratch. If you got a little bit of that gambling streak in you, go to my bookie. .ag, mybookie.ag. Believe it or not, uh, it is that time of year with the holidays. That means plenty of parties, gifts, spending, whatnot. It also means there's lots of football, basketball, and hockey games that you can score big on every day. So play like the pros if you're down with that. And on game day, go to mybookie.ag. You can play the money line, side, or total. 
My bookie is your hookup for all your betting needs and offers super fast payouts when you <clears throat> when it when it comes to betting. It is just as important as who you are uh, betting with as it is on who you're betting on. If you want to make money betting the games, you got to go to mybookie.ag. Uh, they have odds on every matchup and a mobile site that makes wagering on your smartphone a breeze. Now, here's the key here for you locked on folks. Join now and MyBookie will match your deposit with up to a 50% bonus. Here's how that works. Use promo code LOCKEDONNBA, LOCKEDONNBA to activate your offer. So go to MyBookie.ag, use the promo code LOCKEDONNBA and do that today. All right, let's get back to the podcast. And I don't think it can be emphasized enough that this was the bench winning the game to a level we've never seen in that every single starter was bad except for Otto. I mean, this was an entire bench. I think that what did they end up with? I know they had 49 points at some point. Well, the, I, I, uh, NBA.com is sort of funky at the moment, but Otto was the only starter to score in double figures. And I think the bench had... Uh, here, I'm it's pulling back up here. Uh, the bench had like three or four guys who, uh, who, who did, Ubre had 16, Meeks had 12, Scott had 12, Sadoransky had 7.6 assists and five rebounds in 22 minutes. Uh, from the plus minus perspective, they were all at least plus 12. I mean, Otto, even at minus 22, was minus eight because the bench, because the starters were just dreadful right. starting the, in the first quarter and also starting the third quarter. Yeah, and I think with uh, putting in the, the other big change that I saw is he, because when Brooks, in the, in the first half and at the end of the game, Brooks had Beal playing point guard. And in the first half, he had the normal lineup with Frazier and Beal. And when Beal is on the court with Frazier, if Beal is going to be the primary ball handler, Frazier, you know, he has no place on the court. Uh, so... I think that, you know, that was one of the things Brooks recognized, and that's why down the stretch he took out – he Sadoransky played a lot, but down the stretch the last four minutes, Beal came in for Sadoransky, and he went with no point guard because there's, there's no point to put Frazier in the game alongside Beal if you're going to let Beal be the ball handler. So I think that was a huge change and something that I think was an issue against Portland as well, having Beal be the, the ball handler, but, you know, with Frazier on the court. So we'll see if that's also going to be – a change going forward. I don't anticipate he'll change the starting lineup. I think he'll keep Frazier in as the starting lineup, but throughout the game, there may be less of the Beal Frazier backcourt and more of allowing Sadoransky to run, you know, alongside him or even Meeks, who's not as ideal because he's not a ball handler. But, uh, but you know, as long as Beal's going to be the primary ball handler, I don't think he always should be, but if he is, you know, Frazier has has really no fit um, with you know on the first team. No, and you make a good point because when you when when you had Mahimi in there, who we know is not an offensive threat, if you have Mahimi and Frazier in there, that really limits your opportunities uh, for sure. So, if, you know, I'm not saying that was the reason, but if you're kidding, so but with Mahimi out there, maybe that was a, maybe that gave Scott Brooks a reason to say, hey, I really need to go elsewhere. But I don't, I think it was even beyond that. I think, okay, so let's get into your guy Sadoransky here. You know, I've always I, I've, I've thought for a while that. I have no issue with Tim Frazier if you're going to have – if John Wall's going to be out. I don't have an issue with Tim Frazier being the, the point guard. He is – what he is good at is 
just running the offense. Not, nothing spectacular. He's just making the plays because he's got the players around him, right? But when he's on the second unit, this is always my issue with the second unit when you're going with the all-bench guys. You can't just be basic at that point. You have to be more dynamic because they don't have those those other players around him really don't have that game. Yes, Kelly Oubre had a very nice game today. Overall, 7 of 14 from the field. Ironically, 0 for 4 from 3 in a game in which it... Uh, the, the bench was, was 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 cooking. But today, so we see Sadoransky, of course, he's now playing with the second unit. And the energy that that second unit provided in the second quarter and then in the second half was jarring. And I really think, we already know Ubre is bringing energy every game, right? That that goes without saying. I really think putting Sadoransky with him, it just, it just jacks it up even more. Whatever you want to say about Sadoransky, He's slow, a little too slow to defend some guys. His, 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 his handle needs some work. His shot needs some work. The guy always comes out flying. He's always aggressive. Carol Lawson made a point. By the way, Carol Lawson, very good for anybody who's still in, in questioning that. Um, she made a point at one point that Sadoransky was, was, was being aggressive with the ball and that, that leads to some good offense. I, I think, and, and also whatever Sadoransky maybe lacks in some speed, he obviously makes up for it with his six, seven height. And when you had a lineup out there of Sadoransky, Ubre, Jody Meeks is not a tall guy, but he's not a he's not short. He's you know he's not an undersized player like Frazier. When you have those two guys with Meeks, Scott, and Mahimi, you know that's some good size out there for a second year. There's nobody. There's, there's no one. You know you, you can't just uh, attack Frazier per se defensively. So it gives them a lot of looks. Uh, I don't want to jump ahead to what happens when Wall comes back, but it'll be interesting to see what happens over these next six, seven, eight games, whatever it is. What happens with with that point guard situation to see what Brooks maybe does down the line? Well, the matchups are really important for Sadoransky. You see, like against Portland when he had Shabazz Napier or Napier, um, he was able to play him pretty easily. Tonight you have like Aaron Brooks. He played well. And Tyus Jones, he's able. Those shorter guys who are, you know, they might be a little quicker, but they're not really scorers. They're not looking to get straight into the paint and score. Uh, he does a good job of standing him up and, and staying in front of him. And what Sadoransky brings and what he brought tonight that Frazier doesn't is the little things off the ball, which don't show up in the stat sheet, like boxing this guy out, uh, getting some kicked balls out, getting picking up a couple blocks, picking up the rebounds from the blocks. You know, he's around the loose balls after Mahimi got a block. So it's little things like that. Uh, Frazier is very aggressive. I, I like how he plays. It's just height-wise. Sadoransky is able to mix things up a little more. And it's just a little better to have a, a taller guy out there who can help out because the second unit with Meeks, you know, Meeks gives you nothing other than shooting. He's not in there getting his hand on balls or anything like that. So it's helpful to have someone else out there who can, like Ubre, cover some of the court and, and make some plays. But it is, to an extent, matchup dependent. So you get a smaller guy who's quick and can score, you know, Frazier can be a better matchup against him than Sadoransky. But, you know, a game like this to sort of fit his skills uh, perfectly, and it was nice to see Brooks uh, recognize that and just completely start throwing out some new lineups when, when the, the you know the first quarter of the season he hasn't shown any willingness to do that, and, and now now he is. And and you, you know your point about the matchups is is key, and it goes to something we've been talking about. It's not just you know it's too lazy to say oh the bench is no good. All these guys are NBA players. I mean. I don't know if we could have said that last year, to be honest, right? Because look what happened. A few of the guys that they had are no longer in the NBA. They're in China. <laughs> right. I'm not even picking on Brandon Jennings so much, but, you know, 
to some other guys that they had on that team last year who aren't aren't in the league. I don't look at this Wizards roster. I mean, I you know I'm not, I'll, I'll sort of put Chris McCullough on the side because he's young and we'll see. But the rest of them are guys that can play. They have played. They've been successful. Sadoransky is probably the biggest unknown, and I think it's fair to say he's an NBA player right now at this point. The thing is, you they're not stars. They're not starters. You have to put them in the best position to maximize their their circumstances. And I think they did. I think tonight was an example of doing a better job of of that. Uh, and and that's all. You know, Tim Frazier will have a role. It's just where you know where to put him out there to make it work. Same thing with Sadoransky and and you know Ubre and, and all the way down the line. But in any event, good job by the Wizards. Uh, but you know, let's, let's, again, let's give Scott Brooks some credit. Uh, I like some of the some of the willingness to shake things up. Um, let, let's get to the uh, the man of the match here, of course, Adam. Not Otto Porter, not Sadoransky, not Kelly Bray. Come on, Jan Mahimi. Jan Mahimi, Adam. Eight rebounds, five offensive. Uh, the, the, the shooting was still not good. But the, the, the aggressiveness in which he played with, he was setting picks. Uh, he, he was he was just active. I mean, the, the bar is set low here. Okay, I'm, I'm exaggerating when I say he was the man of the match. The bar was set low. He clearly jumped over at this time. He was a force. He was he was a name. He had an impact. That's all we're asking for at this point. We're not asking to justify the contract. We're not asking to go out there and dominate. Just do your part. Be be the guy who's all, who's a, who's a, around the rim on both ends of the court, being a threat. If you can do that, combined with the other pieces that they have on that second unit, or if he's playing with the starters, that will do fine. And we'll deal with the you know, we'll deal with the money talk some other day. If he can do that, this team is a lot better. And that's in essence what you and I were complaining about the other day. Why is it? Why was it when he's not doing the things he needs to do gets benched, but Mike Scott, who's making fifty five percent of his three pointers this month, he hasn't played three of the previous uh, six games. Well, it's another situation with Mahimi where the matchups matter, and he played Towns very well at the end when Towns started attempting, you know, was inside. He wasn't shooting threes on Mahimi. He was trying to go inside. And Mahimi, when he's at his, I'd say at his best, well, yeah, it's his best. Um, it's when he stays down to the pump fix and he can sort of use his hands. He has great hands to get, you know, quick steals. And he went for the blocks instead of getting fouls. So that there was a couple possessions where he stayed down, he blocked uh, towns and the next possession down the court, he strips down, down low. So, that the, the way Towns was playing Mahimi, uh, you know, worked to Mahimi's advantage, and, and, and he was able to, to, you know, stay down and, and be disciplined. Now, it's, I think Towns should have taken him outside and, you know, might have been more effective, but he, but he didn't, and Mahimi, you know, Mahimi played well. The team was also able on the second unit when they made their run, they were able to do so without involving Mahimi at all in the offense. And so this was a game where they were like, – he barely touched the ball when they were making their run, uh, save for I might call the play of the game was – I don't know how it happened, but he when he took a full speed, you know, running full speed from the three-point line down the lane and then drove and kicked it out to uh, Mike Scott for the three. I, I don't know how he saw him. I don't know how he had the body control. I don't know how he threw the ball into his uh, – you know, on point for him to go straight up with it, but nevertheless he did, and – and that was one of the plays of the game. So it was sort of a, it was a great 
great matchup for him defensively, and then offensively they were able to avoid his touches, basically. You know, no, no fumbling out of bounds, none of that. And he had a couple of great offensive rebounds. So, and I think you hit on it. The one of the issues with Mahimi is his, his activity. You know, it's just being out there, being active, getting involved. Uh, and today he was doing it. I don't know why he hasn't been doing it in other games, but tonight he was doing it on the defensive and, and offensive uh, glass. Yeah. Uh, you know, this was uh, a lot, a lot of things worked out. I mean, you know, let's not go again. Let's not go too crazy. Uh, you know, they, they, they went on the road. You know, things were still uh, dicey for a good chunk of the game, but ultimately they, they did, uh, they did get it done. Uh, now they're on to Philadelphia for Wednesday night. I'm excited to see Joel Embiid and his environs. Uh, it sounds like Ben Simmons will be a, I don't know if a game time decision, but at least questionable to play. Obviously, these two teams met opening night, and it was the start of this Wizards' uh, unfortunate trend of having leads and blowing them. That one they kept, they, they kept it. Uh, maybe, maybe tonight was the way they need to go: get behind and rally. <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe that's put, the put, it, put it on the bench. What's that? I did put it put it in the bench's hands. Yeah, uh... Exactly. You have. Well, Mahimi is the penetrating point guard. Um, uh, here's my prediction for tomorrow. The game is in Philadelphia. I believe that is the hometown of some guy named Markeith Morris, who again tonight was one for six from the field, a minus 19 plus minus. And let me just double check. Uh, yeah, zero minutes in the fourth quarter. I mean, three of the Wizard starters didn't play in the fourth quarter. And Beal played the most at five minutes and 29 seconds. And that's crazy. In any event, my prediction is that Marquise Morris gets it going tomorrow. Uh, I think we'll see a better version of, of, of him. I mean, he clearly is not all there yet. Uh, but he's got to get it going and, and, and no better time like tomorrow. Um, I've got one more thought here and then I will let you go uh, do your thing. And that is this. A lot of the things that we sort of talked about here, you know, in essence, uh, you know, getting, you know, setting up Otto for some shots. Playing Sadoransky was already happening because Wall was out, but maybe playing Sadoransky a little more aggressively with, you know, over Frazier with some of the, uh, you know, starters, even he was out there, things like that. Um, you know, the Mahimi, you know, the Mahimi part of it all, I, I don't know if that's different, but something happened to get him going. And, I, you know, some, I was talking to, been talking to different people the last few days about this team and, you know, what, what are you seeing, this, that, and the other. And, and one thing that somebody suggested to me was, it, it, you know, in the case of Mahimi, but, but also maybe in the, in the case of some of the other rotation spots, is that Brooks can maybe take a little bit longer than other coaches to make adjustments. Because uh, a point I was making today when people were saying Mahimi is playing because of his contract was, hey, don't forget Marcus Thornton, a minimum contract guy last year, played way too much early in the season before Brooks finally made that move. You and I have been talking about Sadoransky playing more for the last two years, especially when last year you didn't even have a backup point guard because Trey Burke was not that guy. Uh, the idea – I was going to say also along those same lines, Andrew Nicholson was their second big free agent signing. He was signed to a four-year deal, and Brooks benched him immediately with DNP. So, and that was a big deal in terms of like if you're talking about the contract and what would dictate who plays 
I mean, that, that a four-year, you know, contract, that, that, was a, that was the second big signing with Mahimi. So, so, I mean, I'm agreeing with you. I don't know that it's necessarily the contract. I think the contract gets in the benefit of the doubt, but, you know, I think he's, you know, he's, he's not being played now for the contract. He's being played the same, for the same reason Burke was playing and the same reason Thornton was playing. I think that's the, that's the mindset that Brooks has right now. And, and, but, yeah. No, no, and even sort of the idea of, um, well, anyway, so, so things along those, along those lines and you know i, I you know there, there ha, it has felt like there's been a certain i don't know if stubbornness is the right word but it but it, uh being being a bit rigid with, with certain ways he's doing stuff tonight was an example of getting out of some of that uh, and so I, that's a good sign we'll see if it keeps it up but it's something you know with it, 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 it was an observation i thought was interesting with regards to how brooks does things and because he it even goes back to some of his oklahoma city days you know, some of the criticisms he faced, the West not not staggering Westbrook and Durant, uh, some other criticism about how he used the bench and so on. Uh, so it's something to keep an eye on going forward. I'm not expecting that tonight's sort of wild and wacky rotation becomes the norm. But, you know, it, it, it was a good sign, to, at least for me, to, to show he went with some hot hands. He went with some guys who were playing well. He didn't just stick to what he's been doing. He looked at the, it seemed like he was playing more. Okay, here's the team we're playing. Here's the situation we're in. What's the best thing for that? I'm sure if Scott Brooks were to listen to this, for one, he would say, what, dude, are you kidding me? Stop talking. But, you know, he probably wouldn't agree. This is what I'm seeing. This is what somebody else said to me the other day. And it rang true because of the amount of things that have happened since he's been here where I'm like, why is this taking so long? So I thought that was a good point. Again, he stuck with Mahimi today. Um, Matchup made a little sense to, to go with him. And at least in this case, in this case, it paid off. Well, I look at also I, the big takeaway for me was yes, the same, the similar thing that this was he was willing to make in-game adjustments and and play the game, play what's happening in front of you and not what you already decided you would do in advance. And I think Mahimi actually plays into that because this wasn't just a normal game where he still played Mahimi and everyone gets upset. The big thing here was benching Gortat in the fourth quarter for Mahimi, and that's not the normal thing. The normal thing is to put Gortat back in, and he and he probably would have got killed by Towns. So the, the, playing Mahimi tonight was actually an example of Brooks making a change and saying, I'm going with the best matchup at the end of the game. And this is the first time I think that he's played Mahimi ahead of Gortat this year. I might be missing a game or two, but but in the fourth quarter, you know, which used to happen periodically with Gortat getting benched. But So I thought the – Sort of the the theme of him going with the hot hand, I think that fit in with what with playing Mahimi, you know, as well tonight. All true. All right, man. Well, look, um, you know, it's already getting late. I know you got a, you know, you're, you're a man out on the town. I don't want to uh, keep you from uh, from your round, but I appreciate it as always. Uh, glad we got to do this. I appreciate you uh, being part of this. Uh, pat ourselves on the back night. You know, you're not really doing it, but yeah, you know, I know inside you're doing it. So I, I'm just gonna. Well, I, you know, I, I'm happy for Sadoransky. For we're patting people on the back, you know, it's always good to have a good Sadoransky. Well, how dare you try to tell me on Twitter tonight that I'm just jumping on the bandwagon? Oh, please. <laughs> I was, you know, I, it, it's rare to get any positive, uh, uh, you know, feedback. So I was welcoming you, welcoming you. So I, I, not, uh, not saying you're a bandwagon I, person. It, it really is. I mean, you know, I, you know, I don't ever pretend to think that I know more than these guys who this is all they do, live, breathe basketball but you watch it and i'm just like i just don't get it the guy always comes out with energy he gives you some interesting match mismatches sure if you're if the if the if the opponent has a 
quick six foot guard. Maybe that's not where you want him to go, but you know, he just does stuff. And yet it just, you know, he obviously just kept burying him last year. Then they go out and get in, you know, Frazier and Meeks. And they're like, all right, well, I guess here we go again. And like I said, we'll see, you know, I mean, it's only one game to some degree, a lot more to go. Uh, you know, who knows? I'm not saying Tim Frazier should never play, but, uh, you know, it's, good. it's been good to see Sadoransky, I believe, in the last two games. How many minutes did he play in the in the previous game? Uh, I don't know the box score in front of me. He had, what, 22 tonight? Um, I don't remember what he had last game, but he had, you know, good minutes. But well, again, plus, I was going to say he's plus 28 in his last, like, 36 minutes or something like that from the field. That's not – that's not you know, plus minus always – Always a wacky stat. Don't take it for Veda. But in this case, where the where you know it's been clear he's been out there not just writing coattails, it's a good thing. Anyway, uh, well, it's not all about Sadoransky. Good win for the Wizards. Otto Porter, Mahimi, Sadoransky, Kelly Oubre, uh, among the heroes. Uh, Wizards win 92-89. All right. Uh, Wizards, again, they're in Philadelphia Wednesday. I will be there. We'll figure out a podcast situation one way or the other. Um, even if I have to wait till I get home and do it from there, all tired, but who knows? We'll see. All right. Appreciate it, Adam. Go follow him on Twitter at Liddell's Place. I'm at Ben Standing, and we are out of here. See ya. Deal gets open for three. Dagger! Long drive. Long shot. Dagger!